update for Friday, December 5th, 2008. Uh, had a lot of fight action on Wednesday night with WEC and the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but before we get to that, a couple of quick news bits, including uh, Frankie Edgar going down with an injury uh, earlier this week. He will be off next week's Fight Night 16 Fight for the Troops card. Uh, he was scheduled to face Matt Wyman, and a replacement has stepped in on short notice to take this fight. It will be Jim Miller coming off his uh, victory in his Octagon debut at UFC 89. Um, so this will be his second fight in the UFC. He's taking it on short notice. Um, so it'll be a good good shot for, for Miller and Wyman to kind of give the, give the free crowd and all the men and women of the armed forces uh, a good fight that night and hopefully Miller is able to come into this um, prepared on such short notice but a little bit unfortunate losing Frank Edgar for that show because that would have been an exciting fight to watch in and of itself but looking past that um, and actually past December into January we got an announcement this week that for UFC 94 the BJ Penn against George St. Pierre super fight uh, we're going to going to get a UFC primetime special. It will be a three-part series airing on Spike TV starting Wednesday, January 14th, um, and it will be along the lines of HBO's 24-7 series um, that has been used to hype up some major boxing matches, including the one coming up between uh, Pacquiao and De La Hoya, and um, led to uh, part of that 2.4 million by fight between De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather um, back just a couple of years ago. So that should be a really cool thing to help set up uh, this this fight that doesn't need any setup with hardcore fans, but a show like that through three weeks of hype, and if they promote it more than they did with UFC 91, um, will be a very good thing to uh, get the mainstream fans hooked on that show as well. Because uh, that's going to be a great card. It's setting up to to be really good. Um, but back to the actual action that we had this week. Uh, WEC 37 came live from Las Vegas on Wednesday with uh, the headlining fight of Miguel Torres defending his Bantamweight title against Manny Tapia. And, you know, this show had some good, a lot of bad, um, it was, it was kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of the WEC on this night. Um, the, the first fight of the night was Joseph Benavidez and Danny Martinez. We had three Bantamweight fights on this card, uh, and a featherweight fight. This was in the Bantamweight division. Both Benavidez and Martinez making their, um, UFC debuts. Benavidez came in, uh, definitely hyped more than Martinez, and this was pretty much a three-round sparring match. I mean, Benavidez dominated the action. Martinez just stood there and didn't really do much outside of the the final 20 seconds or so of both the second and third round. And uh, Benavidez was content to just come in with combinations that weren't really connecting, that weren't really very hard, but he was scoring, and he did enough to, to win the fight, but... He wasn't really doing much damage at all in this one. It was it was three very similar rounds, and uh, Benavidez picked up the unanimous decision victory. 
Um, then we got Brian Bowles and Will Ribeiro, which was a very good showing from Bowles um, and a much better fight than the first one. Um, I had it at two stars myself. It would have been more if we would have gotten some crowd reaction in this show. The crowd was terrible throughout the entire show. Um, just sitting on their hands, very quiet. I've, I've seen people get more excited at, uh, at youth sports games than they were for this show. It was, it was kind of sad to see um, the crowd that they had here with coming off of bigger arena shows taking it outside of Vegas. So uh, that, that was the one thing I really didn't like about this show was the crowd. But Brian Bowles definitely made a case for getting a Bantamweight title shot. Uh, he, he stood with an Olympic caliber boxer in Ribeiro and traded and had a really good stand-up fight with him. Um, I had him winning both of the first two rounds, and then as Ribeiro uh, shot in for a takedown, he almost got caught in this early in the fight and then finally got caught in the guillotine from Bowles, who just snapped it on beautifully. Um, to pick up the guillotine choke early in the third round. And, uh, you know, real good win for Bulls. He just looked very crisp and solid in his stand-up, uh, looked very game with his submission, and uh, it was just a, a really good fight um, for, for Bulls. If the first fight was a sparring session, this next fight between Wagney Fabiano and Akatoshi Tamura was pretty much just uh, a jiu-jitsu exhibition. It was a chess match between the two. Good action in the chess match in the first round, but they never broke past it. They never really did anything outside of Tamura showing great defense on the ground and Fabiano showing his superior jiu-jitsu skills and finally getting a, a choke out with 12 seconds left in the third round. I mean, this just wasn't an, ex an exciting fight. It, there wasn't much of the mixed in the mixed martial arts here. It was, like I said, more a jiu-jitsu exhibition. And, well, at times that is highly enter entertaining to watch. It, it didn't come out that way in the second and third rounds here. The first round I highly enjoyed as the ch chess match. Watching Tamura hold off Fabiano and watching Fabiano just use his positioning to try to uh, come up with something on the ground. and um, it, it was really good back and forth while being what some may consider boring. But then they never broke away from it. They didn't do any stand-up. They didn't do much damage when they were on the ground. Fabiano didn't do much when he had positioning on Tamura. And it was just kind of a, a disappointing fight with what uh, they were touted as coming in. Then our main event, great showing from the champ Miguel Torres. Uh, he once again makes a point for being one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the sport. He just, he really is a great, great fighter. Uh, he, he picked apart Manny Tapia with his reach, with using the left jab. Um, Tapia got inside a little bit on occasion throughout uh, the two rounds, uh, the round and a half that he was in this fight. Um, but Torres just took it to him in the second round, dropped him with a couple of hard right hands, pounced on him. Um, the, the first time, Tapia did a good job of recovering 
and avoiding any further damage, but then Torres caught him again with a 1-2 combo that was just, just pretty. And then he got right on him, pounded him out, made the ref come in and stop it. I mean, Torres is just a, a great fighter. You can't <laughs> you can't say anything more about him. He's just a great fighter. Um, and then right after that, we got the Ultimate Fighter two episodes, our semifinal fights. Um, and to be honest, I'm not excited about our live finale, our two f final fights. Only one of the guys that I really wanted to see get in there is in there, and Felipe Nover, and. We're going to have a light heavyweight final between Ryan Bader and Vinny Megalis. Um, you know, that's <laughs> it's not going to be an exciting one to watch. I highly expect Vinny is going to get uh, the submission victory over Ryan Bader. Because um, Bader's strength is his wrestling and his ability to hold people on the ground. And Vinny is going to just eat him up in any type of ground game. He's going to pick off a submission from some angle that Bader's not even going to see coming. Um, Christoph and Elliot Marshall, Christoph Szynski and Elliot Marshall both put in uh, less than stellar performances and losing their semifinal fights here. And, uh, you know, we're left with what we're left with. Give Vinny and uh, Bader all the credit in the world. They picked up the fights and they picked up their victories and they're fighting for uh, that contract. They're fighting for that six-figure contract. They're just not exciting fighters, and they're not necessarily what people want to watch, and, um, you know, that's why we're going to get Philippe Nover against Efrain Escudero. Um, Junie Browning had another incident in the house. Uh, he doesn't want to fight. In the in this in this episode, he's getting in another um, scrum at the house, and he throw, ends up throwing a glass at Shane Prim, and then Dana is called to the house once again, and responds to ask. His, his his first thing was, I don't know what you are. I don't know if you're retarded. I don't know if you're bipolar. I don't know what. Dana's words, and it was just very clear throughout this entire season that Junie Browning should have been kicked off multiple times, that Junie Browning is not all there in the head. At least he wasn't in this house. He wasn't able to to get to that point. Um, he had difficulties dealing with the people, dealing with the training that the people he was training with and his trainers that he was training with. He wasn't getting the adequate training that he needed to be fighting. Um, and you know what? Dana talked about he was looking for a way out, and he wanted Dana to kick him out. Dana should have, plain and simple. He brought it to the fighters and, and had him give a vote. Yeah, we won't vote him out. Well, someone has to beat him to kick him off. Not the way they needed to go about this. Junie Browning got in that fight against Efrain Escudero, was clearly, clearly not prepared for this fight, out of shape, not ready to fight. His head wasn't there. He's not listening to his corner. Um, he's trying things that aren't to his strength. He's trying to take Efrain down. Efrain is willing to stand with him because he knows Junie's not 100% here. Junie's not showing any 
of the heavy-handedness that he had in his previous fights on the show. Plain and simple, Junie wasn't Junie in this fight. And he wasn't there in the head. And the mental capacity of fighters, they need to have a clear head coming into fights. Plain and simple, we saw firsthand what happened with Paul Filio at the WEC 36 show. And if they're not prepared mentally for a fight, you don't toss them in there. And you don't use it to just make an example of the guy because he's been a pain in your ass throughout the entire season. And that's what Dana White and the UFC did with this. That's what Frank Mir and Dana White and all the guys that didn't like Junie, that's what they got. They got to watch him get beat and watch him get embarrassed because he was a pain in their ass, so they were going to teach him a lesson. Plain and simple, not everyone is cut out for the house. Not everyone is cut out to, to be in a house with a bunch of fighters that you not only have to live with, but you have to fight some of them. And if you don't get along with them in the first place, you still have to go back and deal with them. And it's it's hard to avoid. And it was clear that uh, there was a disconnect between Frank Mir and Junie. Uh, and, and, you know, Mir getting overly upset because Junie wasn't listening to him and all that stuff. He wasn't there in the head. He wasn't ready for that fight. It was just ridiculous that he was put into that position in the first place. And, you know, Dana asked him, uh, you think the pressure is bad here. What are you going to do when you get to the UFC? Junie's going to go back. He's going to train with the people that he's comfortable with training with, that help him with his training. He's not going to have to then go back home to a house filled with guys where he can't chill and watch television. He can't rest and uh, do what he needs to do to be prepared for a fight. No, he has to go back to a house filled with alcohol and filled with... Uh, a bunch of fighters fueled up and also cooped up in this house. And you know, it's just a recipe for disaster when you've got someone that's not mentally all, uh, prepared for that. And there was seriously something within Junie that couldn't handle it, plain and simple. And he should have been kicked off the show when shit went down the first time. And the fact that they let it get to the point that it did and still put him in that fight was terrible judgment on Dana White's part as well as whoever was allowing it to go on. And it, it just, it, it kind of made me sick watching the reaction to Junie after from Frank Mir and uh, Dana White and everyone just sitting and smiling because he got his ass kicked. Yeah, he was a pain in your ass. He was loud. He was abrasive. Um, he was a jackass. He should have been kicked off. But plain and, plain and simple, he wasn't prepared to fight. He shouldn't have been put in that position, and it, it just makes him look bad. But that that's just me. Maybe maybe different people take it differently. Maybe they don't think that uh, it matters. If Junie went in there to fight, he should have fought. He went on, onto the show to be the ultimate fighter. He should have fought it through. Maybe that shouldn't have been his, uh, his path to the UFC. And with the announced card for next Saturday's finale, I think we're going to see a different Junie Browning, plain and simple. And uh, he's going to get a chance to show us that. I mean, he's been training with the Extreme Couture Gym, and he's been apparently getting his uh, life back in order. So um, we'll see what happens when he takes on Dave Kaplan. 
at that show. Um, we've got 16 members from this season's Ultimate Fighter on the finale next week. Uh, on the main card, obviously, you've got the two uh, final fights in the lightweight and light heavyweight divisions. you got Efrain Escudero and Felipe Nover. Ryan Bader against uh, Vinny. Wilson Gavea against Jason McDonald. Kevin Burns against Anthony Johnson in a rematch from this summer where Johnson got his uh, eye basically uh, nearly destroyed by Kevin Burns, had to get it surgically repaired. And then rounding out the televised card is Junie Browning and Dave Kaplan. On the prelims, Shane Prims taking on Christoph Szczynski. Jules Bruchez is taking, off, uh, Elliot, taking on Elliot Marshall. Kyle Kings, Kingsbury against Tom Lawler. Shane Nelson and George Roop. And then John Polakowski and Roly Delgado. So that's the official card for Saturday the 13th, live on Spike TV, the Ultimate Fighter Season 8 finale. Um, and again, Felipe Nover with the breakdown that Junior Browning had is the clear favorite in the lightweight division. And he has just looked, he, he's looked crisp and on a completely different level than everyone else throughout this this run on the show. And it'll, it'll hopefully be a, a victory for Felipe against Efrain. Uh, because I think Felipe is is a fighter that that can get plugged in against some of those guys in the lightweight division pretty quickly. So we'll see what happens with that. And I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens with Junie Browning and if he has indeed turned a corner with his life and if training outside of this show um, helps him with the immense talent that he has. He's got some of the heaviest hands for a lightweight. Um, I mean, he, he's definitely got... A lot of skill when it comes to this game. His head wasn't all there on the show, and hopefully he's gotten it back. And we'll see what happens there. I'm intrigued to see Kevin Burns and Anthony Johnson again. Jason McDonald always puts on an entertaining fight. And then, you know, Bader and Vinny I'm not looking forward to. So, we'll, we'll, it's there. Neither of them are going to do anything major in the light heavyweight division. I mean... Vinny's a fighter that can submit a lot of guys. He's got great jiu-jitsu. He's just not an overly exciting fighter, and unless he strings up, unless he puts together a string of big victories that are against big-name guys, he's not going to rocket up the card very quick in that just stacked division. Um, speaking of division rankings, we've got uh, the next set this week of our Torch Staff rankings. Uh, we started a few weeks ago with the heavyweights. Last week we did the light heavyweights, and this week we've been running down the middleweights. We had our overall um, top ten, and then each of our members that voted in for that uh, also put together uh, a blog posting of their top ten. Uh, our overall put together, we had at number ten, Michael Bisping. Number nine, Demian Maya. Number eight, Talis Lytus. Number seven, Dan Henderson. Number six, Matt Lindland. Number five, Gagard Musazi. Number four, Nate Marquardt. Number three, Yushin Okami. Number two, Robbie Lawler. And, of course, number one, Anderson Silva. So that's our uh, top ten uh, middleweights. You agree, you disagree, let us know. Uh, we want to hear what you have to say as well. We'd like to put together our Torch Nation rankings as well. So uh, send your top ten and the heavyweight, lightweight, 
light heavyweight, middleweight divisions to torchrankings at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on today was an interview that uh, Tim Sylvia had talking about uh, wanting to fight Ken Shamrock. Uh, Sylvia right now is looking for an opponent for either the New Year's Eve show for K1 or the January 4th Sengoku event in Japan. And uh, the article that was talking about this in Sherdog, on Sherdog.com uh, had quotes from Sylvia saying he was supposed to fight Ken Shamrock this month, but it's been postponed to February, so they still might be fighting. But the one that got me was, he's a Hall of Famer, he's a legend. This is from Sylvia. To progress your career, you always have to fight somebody like that. I don't know if he's a stepping stone or anything, but he's been on some of the same cards I've been on, and he's been highlighted over me. So I want to let people know that I am better than this guy, and there's no reason he should have been highlighted over me. This quote just boggles my mind from Tim Sylvia. For him to think that beating Ken Shamrock in 2008 will in any way, shape, or form prove anything that he wants to prove in that quote there's a lot of guys that are better than Ken Shamrock right now. There's a lot of guys that Shamrock may get highlighted over because of his name value, but that's it. But he shouldn't be highlighted over them. Tim Sylvia, despite my dislike of him and his destruction at the hands of Fedor and losing multiple fights against top competition, is still a dangerous fighter against pretty much most of the heavyweight division. Outside of the top six or seven heavyweights, Tim Sylvia is still going to do damage, and he's still going to be a fighter. Um, but to even suggest that Shamrock is some sort of fight to look forward to or a fight that's going to do something for your career at this stage in, Sylvia's, in both Sylvia and Shamrock's career is ludicrous and ridiculous and too many other isses to, to even think about and just adds to my, I don't know if I want to say amazement or wonderment at the stupidity of Tim Sylvia with that quote. Again, not everyone thinks that same way. Not everyone uh, believes as I do that Tim Sylvia shouldn't be uh, fighting top guys. I mean, he, he's probably getting to the level where he should be fighting the, the mid-card guys because he shouldn't be headlining shows in 2008, plain and simple. Um, but he's not to Ken Shamrock's level of uh, ineptness or, you know, <laughs> he's still got some name value left right now. Shamrock has lost far too many fights to fighters that were far less skilled than the people that beat Sylvia in the last year and a half. So that's all I got to say on that this week. Um, thanks again for listening to the Torch Audio Update. We'll be back for more over the weekend. Uh, news updates daily throughout the day. Uh, we've got some new contributors to the site this week. Maynard Sweeney on Monday started his top 30 fights of 2008 countdown. Um, he's uh, unveiling a new fight each day throughout the month of December. Uh, we're on to fight number 25 for tomorrow. Uh, 
Zach Lalonde came out with his top 10 favorite fights of 2008. Uh, he's another new contributor of ours, as well as Jeremy Lieb and his preview of next week's Fight Night 16. So, new blood here around the torch, so definitely check them out and uh, give them some feedback. Uh, they'll hopefully be around here for a while. So, uh, thanks once again for listening to the Torch Audio Update. This is Jamie Penick signing off. All I want is more.